listening to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. I'm your host, L.M. Fisher, musician, producer, and creator. This episode features Sasha Butler, teacher, queen of the banjo, and a pillar of the Colorado music community. I spoke with Sasha at her studio, Urban Monk Studios, on a rainy day. We explored the beginnings of Urban Monk, how teaching has helped her music evolve, the importance of creating accessibility in the music industry, and so much more. This is the Sonic Guild Colorado Podcast with Sasha Butler. You are tuning in to the Sonic Guild Colorado Podcast. I am here today with Sasha Butler. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. How are you? How's your week been? What have you been up to? It has been uh, great and crappy, honestly. It's one of those weeks where you have great things happening and then also challenge and change. So I uh, decided just to lean into both, and it's actually worked out great. So it's all about transition. Going through great shifts right now in my music career. So you know how when you start a goal, that's what happens, and that's what this week's been. So overall, amazing, but I'm also tired, honey child. What has been some of the challenges? What's been happening in your musical life? Well, it's, uh, you know, when you, when you put a goal out there, it says this, the universe tests you to go, all right, how authentic is this goal, right? And so those kind of tests were happening. For example, anything, when you're stressed, you really can't create. So I accidentally paid off a whole credit card when I just meant to do the monthly statement. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my Lord. And that was like ban money all these bills and everything. But at the same time, the gift was it was a high interest card that I thought I'd never pay off. So careful what you wish for. <laughs> and so having that in your head and not uh, and being very busy, I had a beautiful gig, lectures this week, along with teaching nine hours a day most of the week. Um, I didn't have time to process a lot of that, which is good. I needed to just like let that happen. And it all worked out. So uh, it's interesting how it is. Just be careful what you wish for and make it specific. Because <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> so true, especially in a creative lifestyle. It's, it's like, so true. Bring on the, the hurricane. Right. We're fragile. Like create, Creatives are very fragile, and people need to recognize this. We're fragile in the sense that we feel deeply. And I guess the fragile is a wrong word. It's very sensitive or more aware. That's why we uh, pull from environment and we feel it easily to pull from environment to get creative, right? So there's that, but it also gives you a, a, a vulnerability that many can't match or aspire to match. And in that, you know, you feel things deeply when they come in, waves of challenge that most people can like easily get through. You kind of feel deeply and you need a little more time to process. And I'm one of those people. Like I've had a business, Urban Monk Studios here for 15 years. And even after that, it's still, you know, you never know what's going to happen. It's a it's a small business. And so I take time to just process anything now. And it's easier than when I first started. But it is a thing. We need to honor artists, any artist, music, art, theater, uh, production. We are extroverted and introverted, but honestly, mostly introverted because we have to be there to give that task, right? And it's it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Well, let's start at the beginning. Okay. When did you 
Start playing music. Ooh, fifth grade. Oh, my God. Uh, so <laughs> I played in the fifth grade. I was classically trained on the clarinet at St. Mary's Catholic School. I was raised both Catholic and Southern Baptist. And, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's totally weird. Uh, my parents were both. And then they got divorced, and but my mom and dad, both uh, as uh, mathematician, computer science dad, artist, superintendent mom, they wanted a better education. So they sent us to St. Mary's Catholic School in Greenville, South Carolina. So Monday through Friday, I'm like, you know, going to the high-end school with all these like rich kids and like, oh, 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 oh. and on the weekend, I'm like, well, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, I had this deep sense of, who am I? What is going on? <laughs> and it was very, it was hard because when my mom and dad divorced, my dad had the money. So we first lived with my mom and we were in uh, government assisted housing. So I'm going from the richest school in the, like the state on Monday through Friday. And then at, in the evenings and spending the weekends in the projects, you know, and it's just seeing both of those I saw like privilege before privilege was trendy and then I also saw uh, struggle uh, before people were aware of it and uh, I think that's where I got the compassion that I do have and the business sense of all inclusiveness 15 years ago seeing how the disparity and the disconnection between the two and the misunderstandings and the stereotypes of the two made them so apart uh, you know, in the South at that time, it was even more so. It just did such a division. Ironically, now, because of, of the racial and gender inequality, we're trying harder in the South, even though Tennessee is messed up. That's another story. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but, I, we, I, you know, that's what I carry here now. But it was that's, that was how I was raised. It was very interesting, uh, very rich during the week and very poor on the weekends. But also, like I don't know, I I had a great you know. I was never not without, even if we only ate ramen noodles or whatever. It was like we had art and we had music, and my mom gave us poetry, and my dad made us code in Pascal and Basic, and it made our minds very nourished, and so we got to. Uh, we had the creativity, and we also had a very diverse household where everyone was welcome. My dad taught uh, the math team, the debate team, and the computer science math team uh, as well. So we had a lot of Asians and Indians and Middle Eastern and Americans of different colors in the house. So I got to learn a lot from different cultures early. And when was the transition into different instruments? I mean, you're, you're, I mean, I would say a prime example of multi-instrumentalist. Yes. Like you do everything. I've seen you banjo and ukulele and guitar. Yes. From woodwind or yeah, to I know. strings. What, what happened there? That was college. I had I'd done such competitive classical training. I'd made it up to number one in my state in clarinet and orchestra. And uh, it, the scene, the classical music scene is uh, very uptight. And I knew that music as an energy doesn't need to have uh, itself displayed in that manner. And so in college, I decided to just go out to open mics and sing. And one of my first music friends was Casey Jones. And uh, it my husband, my twin flame that you saw upstairs, Charlie, we all hung out in the scene and I would sing, sing, sing. And I noticed people always backed themselves up with a stringed instrument and I didn't play anything. And so I went to a music store and played guitar and thought it was okay. Then I played the banjo 
And I just fell in love. And this was before I knew it was an African instrument. So I was very like conflicted as a black woman flying to man. I'm like, what is going on right now? And so I did that. I just started it and I found a teacher and he taught me the claw hammer picking method. There's two methods, the three finger scrug style and claw hammer picking. And that's the African style. And so I did that for a year, decided I was in transition, uh, wanting to move somewhere else and moved here to Colorado. I was in Knoxville, Tennessee at the time. And my teacher was a very prophetic, mysterious man. I was just most amazing teacher. He's like, I only had lessons with him for about nine months. And he's like, okay, since you're moving, I'm going to teach you stuff. And this was 99. He's like, you will be teaching one day. So I'm going to show you some technique. And I'm like, what? And I had no idea. And yeah, I started the studio like seven years after that. And he knew and I didn't. And so it was a very cool uh, experience. And during that time, I just kept practicing. I found teachers here and uh, kept going and practicing. And I still practice and get better and learn. Teaching is learning twice, as my music teacher said. <laughs> so I apply that every day. What brought you from the South to Colorado, to the big Rockies? I just wanted something different, something new. I'm an adventurer, and I always took road trips, solo road trips, uh, most of my high school life, as soon as I got a car, throughout the South, and it made my dad very nervous. (laughs) But I wanted to always explore. And one of my friends had moved out here, and uh, she was in the Rainbow community back in the day, her and her boyfriend, Moon. And uh, they biked from Florida, like bicycled from Florida to here. In 97, there was a big flood and got jobs uh, shoveling out the books at CSU. And uh, Angie was her name, is her name. And she's like, Saja, man, you really need to come out of here because I feel like this town is for you, brah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, all right, I'll visit it. So I visited, moved out here four months later um, in 2000 and began my life. And I started over. I was like, Catering rock bands at that point, like Santana, toured with Dylan, like big time, like rock bands and stuff. And also managed a really high end, uh, like a grocery store, like a gourmet market. I was about to be offered my own restaurant store. And I came here and decided to take the chance and start at the Salvation Army thrift store that was here downtown at $6 an hour. And I tell people, I'm like, once you have the energy of, 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 of thriving, it will not leave. And this is every uh, person's story of success from Steve Jobs to, uh, you know, anybody who just starts stuff in their garage or just takes chances. Once you have the energy, it, it, you will always come back. So at $6 an hour, I was doing that. And I was like, I'll be back. And I started there. Then I went to Nature Zone, worked there for a year, food co-op. And that's when I went back to school for music, just a couple of years to just kind of polish up guitar theory and jazz theory and music business. Then I started my business in 2007 with one student working also at the co-op at the Azatlan Center with guitar classes, running all over Northern Colorado doing on-call. Nobody ever saw me because when you start a business, you're going 12 hours a day, every single day. And, you know, 15 years later, I'm still doing 12 hours a day, but not seven days a week, which is nice. <laughs> so, but uh, it's, it's, it, is, it was a commitment, and I took the chance. And yeah, it's you know now literally award-winning studio. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about Urban Monk. Where did the name come from? What do you guys do? Yeah, so Urban Monk Studios is, uh, is uh, solely mine. Uh, 
Charlie and I uh, were in college for many years, but we just reconnected after uh, not being together. So we he just moved in last October. <laughs> so I have been running the studio by myself, uh, black-owned, uh, woman-owned studio for the past 15 years. And it is from a dream. I was a religious studies major in college, African-American studies minor, knowing I had a spiritual calling on this planet to help people through music and heal in very actually real ways, but um, due to social construct, they are seemingly un- irregular because we have such a repressed uh, systematic oppression uh, running rampant on the planet, especially here in America. Uh, it's a supremacist culture that has allowed for a limited thought that um, I my business is just trying to be an example of something new and inclusive. You can still have rules and keep them as your toolbox, but they don't need to be the only set of ideas that you have. You can learn the rules and break them. And so because I was classically trained and then contemporary theory as well, knowing those two and seeing the horrible teachers I had who were very just firm about it, and then also the open-minded teachers. I took all that and uh, made the studio from that. Urban Muck itself came from uh, many past lives. I did uh, past life regression uh, early in 2000s, finding out who I was and finding out that I've been a monk several times, a capuchin monk, a Japanese Shinto monk, mostly, and male, you know, for some reason, mostly. I've only been male a few lifetimes, but those were the the ones. And it's interesting that being male and a monk, having to reflect that meant bringing that uh, masculine side, continuing to do so here um, with the courage of it. You know, it's like uh, we, uh, the feminine aspect is very nurturing, which is part of the studio, right? Uh, Very strength-filled, strong in adversity. Uh, The masculine side allows you to focus which is amazing. You know how you like try to talk to a guy and they're like on something. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, it's annoying, but also it's like, well, that that is respect. Um, (laughs) But uh, so I honor both of those sides of myself. They are equally balanced now. I had this dream that I was standing in front of Stonehenge and it was one of those dreams where you could feel yourself. And it was a monk with a brown robe. And right before I started the studio and I knew I had had to call it Urban Monk Studios because in this life, I'm I'm still somewhat of monastic uh, feel, uh, having the same compassion, but uh, also secular. And being over the years atheist to um, all inclusive now, you know, uh, being raised Christian. I did Sufi Muslim path, the atheist path. I did it all, and um, they all were divine. Uh, you know, and people need to recognize that. Even atheists, you can't have the atheist without the theist part. You know what I'm saying? So it's like every, that is how beautiful the the universe is. It allows you to do whatever you need to do to be your best self. And we humans need to accept and adapt that principle that just because you, it, one path works for you, it's it's not the path for everyone. I our, our egos get involved like, well, it worked for me. I don't understand. Like, no, it worked for you. And I'm glad you get that. But you are not the only person on this planet. There are over 8 billion different stories and more happening in existence, right? And so my studio reflects that. We just did a gig with the CSU Music Therapy Department, and I co-lectured with a friend teaching that same principle, how music is an energy. 
and unconditional love and expressing that music is available to everyone, no matter what. So why can't we just be like music, right? Uh, I don't particularly care for certain types of music, but I'm glad they're out there for those who do, right? I listen to it. I teach it. I'll teach music. I can't even stay, but I don't, it's not about me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it brings to see the joy it brings for the student. It's like, heck yeah. And I learn, I may not, not necessarily not like the music. It's the artist. Cause I'll go to other parts of the music that I think I don't like. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh, I, wow. I've just fell down the rabbit hole in Spotify found like, this is what I'm talking about in like, whatever. Right. So you just gotta just be able to, um, take the chance and open up because it's not necessarily an artist or a particular person. It can be something else that you like in a genre or field that you might even not consider. So, And you teach, you record, what, I mean, do you do it all? It's kind of an all-encompassing space? Correct, yes. Yeah. So in the space that you're seeing now, it's set up in instruction mode uh, for adult performance class. We just started our classes, which is so grateful after the pandemic. It, last Monday was the first time since the pandemic uh, we've had classes. I've been very mindful of that. The lessons have been continual on Zoom and then back uh, in the studio. But I uh, just wanted to be mindful of just the smallness of the classes. And so they're back. Uh, then it'll switch to we've had living room concert series here. We have a bunch of uh, chairs like this. That uh, These are individual chairs that you can set up where the stage is over here. And then also portable soundboards, which allow for the studio to turn into a recording space. So um, I'm starting recording again, public recording in May, uh, which is exciting. I've already got two bookings for that. Uh, that was on hold since the pandemic as well. So the studio is getting back to its original self. As a 15-year-old business, you, get, you tend to know, even when big hits like the pandemic come, you communicate with the people who are here. What is your comfort level? And they're like, not ready for class yet, not ready for, like small lessons, yeah. Or yeah, I'm going to wait on the recording. Now everybody's like, let's do it. So that's what that is. And I teach all of that. Private lessons are upstairs in the sunroom because I'm a big plant person. And it's like planty, like really pretty. And uh, then I rent the space out to another teacher so they can have a space. There's very few spaces for rent in town. So I have another voice teacher who teaches here well as well, Aaliyah, who is an amazing music performance and musical theater voice teacher. And she has the same principles as the studio. And so it really works out great. And I'm eventually wanting to add more teachers and, you know, the classes just like, but I, I'm just taking it month by month, season by season. The pandemic affected us deeply. So a lot of sensitivity is there. I want to make sure everybody's comfortable. As a women-owned business, also you're in Lois and the Lantern, which Correct. is a all-female string band. Yes. What have been some of the challenges of navigating that sphere? I mean, the musical sphere, unfortunately, is still yeah, dominated by, by men and of recording spaces. I mean, what were some of the challenges there? Uh, being talked down to and not to being believed. I, I'm, as most women in the industry will tell you, being told things that men would never be told, you know, you know, like you're hot. But, you know, blah, 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 this and that. Okay, why don't we, uh, do you know about the soundboard? You know, or, you know, that kind of stuff. But I'm very blessed to have men in this community, and I will uh, shout them out, Shaped Music, which is a great sound company that lifts women up. They know us, and I we are about to work with them again. They're like, 
do you need anything different? Because I already know how to dial you in. And I'm so, we're so excited to work with you. We're very blessed to have that in the community. Uh, those guys are amazing. And uh, there's other uh, sound companies and people that we work with, um, venues here in town that are very uplifting. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's just, you know, you run into every now and then men who just, I don't know, I don't know if they're raised right or whatever, but it's like, dude, do you know it's like 2023? And uh, like, it's those old games aren't working. And I love that they're so dis even more disgusting and obvious, even to men, like, you know, Charlie, you know, when he sees that, he stops it, my boyfriend. And uh, it's, it's disheartening to see that um, men are still playing those games because it has nothing to do with you. It's your, uh, our journey. Everybody's journey is their own. And if you are needing attention, um, pay attention to yourself first, because when you have self-certainty, you won't have the need to go find someone to feed off of. And that's what it is. You're finding men who are wanting to feed off of and then control via their like subconscious tentacles women so they can distract from actually facing themselves. And that's what we're seeing in men and women who are not self-certain. Anybody who is uh, narcissistic and toxic, they're reaching out to you to distract them from facing themselves. And that is your strength because you can seriously say, I am so not at your level, friend. You know what I'm saying? It's like you are thirsty for yourself, but you're seeking it through me. So why don't you back off and find yourself? And they always shut up. I always say that. You know what I'm saying? I straight up say, it. I'm like, you know, I'm just real. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and so it, it is amazing. And then, you know, they literally, you can, t you can, it's amazing when they just walk away. Find the strength because they're, Actions are based on insecurity and desperation because they haven't been paid attention to. But you have absolutely no right to fill their cup. They have to fill it themselves. And there are now workshops. There's a workshop on April 23rd here in Fort Collins talking just about uh, uh, lifting women up. And it's uh, here at the Art Lab. It's called Raise the Bar. And it talks about gender inclusion in music industry you can find more about that uh, online, and uh, it's just going to be great. The Sexual Assault Ag Advocacy Center is, is uh, sponsoring that, and it really is helping. But yes, just remember, it is illusion. They are desperate for attention, and they're wanting you to pay, f pay for their pain, and that ain't right. So yeah, just call them out. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, that's huge. I mean, I'm kind of just sitting here like, whoa. It's true. Like, kind of like preach that's 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 the truth like really and I think it's amazing that the answer is really look inside yourself it's true that's the solution to so many so many issues exactly it's simple if anybody is thirsty coming towards you they need a drink of consciousness you know what I'm saying uh, you've been here in Colorado now for 15 oh 23 20, years. 23 years yeah 23 years yeah what are you seeing that the colorado music scene is doing successfully and what do you think could change about it oh that's great um you know it i, I think it's heading in a positive direction uh the the bubbles that used to be around very inclusive bubbles of different genres uh when i first moved to town that's what it was like everybody in the hip-hop scene stayed themselves and bluegrass and that you're seeing a lot of uh fusion more i love that i feel like uh if a lot of the old artists who were part of that scene 
would allow themselves to be a little more merging, that'd be great because we have a lot of new, fresh, amazing talent. And we don't need the, uh, you know, we don't need the example of an exclusion. I love that there's so much fusion going on uh, within the artist uh, music community here in Colorado. I just hung out. I'm usually a bluegrass and Americana folk singer, songwriter. And last night I did a gig with Bevan Luna and Eric Stronimus uh, playing the blues, Dirty Southern South. I was like, my heavens, this is wonderful. <laughs> Man, our own originals reaching out like that, um, having these CSU um, talented music therapy students open up for us, you know, playing, uh, I love playing like metal. I love playing punk. Uh, these kind of things that I normally don't, I just simply listen to, never thought I'd play. And I play it on the banjo, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I love seeing that part now. Uh, we need to lift up more newer artists in the Colorado scene. I feel we carry too much weight on the artists that have been around for a while. And that's awesome. And I think they're getting, it's because the whole Colorado scene is now being lifted up fully to a national level. Uh, so the old artists who've been waiting around, waiting around, waiting around are finally getting their, their, their shout, shout out, which is awesome. Uh, but let's also uh, include some fresh artists in the same field. So if we have, say, an Americana artist that's been around for a while, why don't we have them have somebody open up that's fresh on the scene in the same place, right? Letting them have that simple awareness of a gig will allow the older audiences to see something new and not be threatened by it, right? Um, instead of talking about it, maybe even on, you know, on, on the radio, Hey, here's an established Colorado artist. And did you know this person, similar artist, fresh on the scene, I'm going to play them back to back, blah, blah, you know, really pair that kind of thing going on. So you're a multi-instrumental artist. What do you find that your songs start out on one instrument over another? Is there oh, yeah. an instrument you gravitate towards? Ironically, guitar. And then piano to work out specific walk downs and walk ups. The banjo I've been playing the longest as a stringed instrument, but for some reason I can't. There's certain songs I can write on the banjo, but I mostly find I'm like working it on the guitar. I think the six strings of the guitar allow for a broader tonal feel that I can hear and I can uh, trans scribe that to the piano and then work it out. Okay, which instrument does this sound better on? But there have been some that have been called specifically, specifically on the banjo. Out of all the songs I've written, there have been only three that have been banjo-based. And yeah, at first I was like weirded out about that, but it makes sense. I like hearing a lot of tone. And so subconsciously, I just lean into it. The, the guitar is where it's at. And what do you play as a solo artist versus I'm going to devote this to Lois and the Lantern? Is there a feeling that you get when you know, oh, this is a group song or this is just my song? Absolutely. So my solos uh, songs are mostly more soulful, Americana. They will be a little more bluesy and uh, just soulful feel. Lois and the Lantern is Americana and bluegrass, uh, and they like it up-tempo. So anything that is that uh, we'll go to Lois and the Lantern. A lot of songs go either way, but they're more tender, kind of uh, vocal dominant tunes. I tend to do solo. The ones that are just like, you know, <laughs> they'll go to Lois and the Lantern. 
How do you navigate balancing your work at Urban Monk and playing in Lois and the Lantern, your solo gigs? On a wing and a prayer, sister. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I do have a schedule. <laughs> I have a schedule. Uh, so Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, I'm very much having my long days teaching all the every single thing I teach. Monday nights are classes. Mondays are admin, any meetings I have to have around town. The mor the mornings of every day of the week are, you know, meditation, you know, you know, a walk, and then if I need to do videos or whatever, that's what's happening. And then I'll start lessons at eleven and uh, go till seven at night. And then yeah, the, the classes are s like s in the evening on Mondays. Then Fridays are like this kind of stuff: uh, interviews, uh, podcast solo work uh, down here if I'm like testing new equipment, practice, that kind of thing. I'm practicing and running through stuff all the time, but um, I decided to take Mondays and Fridays to not deal with the public, um, to create. And it really has worked. That was my New Year's resolution to kind of restructure the studio on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. Because I'm one of those people who once I'm going, I can just go all day. I can't do the spread out thing. A lot of it's just a different personalities. That's one of the things I tell people. It's not about like running a business. Run a business how your personality is. If your personality needs to only have four days a week, you need to structure your schedule that way. It's important because you have to have your first lesson of the week. The last lesson of the week has to be just as fresh as the first because they're paying you and that's not fair. Right. So last night at 630, when little Annalie and Alicia, they're my most hyperactive. They're like, yeah, Sasha, right on, bad. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, Lord of mercy. They had to have the freshest lesson that I gave, um, you know, the first lesson of the week. And, uh, you know, then they left and I drank heavily. But <laughs> they got their piano done and they had a great time. And that's what it's about. You know, you um, you have to work. Work with how your personality is. Are you visual? Are you tactile? How do you hear and receive information? How do you work all day? Do you, can you only work four hours a day? Then you might have to work five days a week, right? Or six hours a day, right? I'm one of those people I can work all day. So it, it's nice to have that shorter schedule. That's great. I'm very much the same way. I, I set a timer because I'll, I'll just work on one thing and then yeah. the next thing I know I look up and it's yeah. like 10 hours later. 100%. So I have to set myself a timer. Good and for once you. the hour is up, then I move on to something else and I'll, you know, go back to it and transition right. in maybe three hours throughout the day on one thing. But yeah, you, you have to find those systems. Otherwise you'll just get yeah. sucked in. And yeah. I mean, and that's a great, sometimes that's a great place to be. And there's some, right. you know, especially personal creative projects that it's like, that's yes. such a, a strength. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the work-wise is like... Yeah, work-wise, that's why Monday is like, there's no hours. There's no set hours. Because if I want to fall down the rabbit hole, I can. And Friday as well. Um, but yeah, you get, yeah, you got to set an alarm because every now and then... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like, water, water, exactly. water. Exactly. <laughs> How has teaching influenced your music? Have Did you notice a change in... The way you've written or the, the things that you're writing about since incorporating that into your life? That is an excellent question. Yes. <laughs> the, 
the more I teach, it's in, it's interesting. Uh, people get better. I'm like, well, damn, I'm a good teacher. So I have to do like advanced, more advanced uh, lessons. And because of that, I'm, I'm recently, the past few years, reaching things I haven't taught or addressed since college. And people are now learning uh, alternative chord forms, secondary dominance, jazz theory. So I'm like, holy crap, I got to dig down in the trenches of my brain. And it's also changing my... I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that, right? And because as artists, we tend to fall into habits of the same chord progression, same feel, same strumming pattern. And using different songs, I think what it is that helps me is everybody has a song of the month. I've released a song of the month. It's usually one or two songs. If it's two, there's a classic tune, uh, classic meaning uh, before uh, the 2000s from the 50s to 2000s, 1950s to 2000. And then contemporary is uh, 2000 to present day. And it's a simple chord, chord progression, but every student can learn something from it. If they're a beginner, they can just learn the chord pattern. If they're uh, intermediate, they can chord pattern and solo. Uh, advanced, they can sing it, record it, whatever, right? And so like uh, examples of the song of the month just recently was Colors by Black Pumas. People were like, oh my God, I thought this was so hard. And they're like, and they're all like, oh, my baby. Mm. Yeah, and they're singing it, hooking it up. I'm like, all right, go ahead. And then there's been like classic tune, like The Bones was last month. Uh, and then Fle uh, Fleetman Max song, uh, I think it was Dreams or something. Uh, but I have it, and then I have it themed depending on the holidays and stuff. But at the end of the year, people have between six and 12 songs that if somebody's like, play me something, or they can add to their set, that is great. They're classic, fun tunes. You know, they're Riptide, Eye of the Tiger. That was great, but terrible, because I lost my voice, because that's way out of my range. <laughs> so, like, by the end of the month, I was, Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> but, yeah, just, like, all these tunes, and every time, the, the best thing is, I love to hear, is like, I didn't realize that song, I always thought I couldn't play that. And so, um, that helps. And they learn different stuff. And I remember chord progressions that I was like, oh man, I could work with that chord progression. Do you have a library of music? How do you find those songs? What do you, I mean, are you like a Spotify playlister? Mm -hmm. Oh, big time. I even have a stu Urban Monk Studios playlist and uh, for the students, if they suggest a song, that way I can easily access it. But I have mine. I have like Chucky's playlist where his favorite songs are. And, uh, you know, like sad songs, reggae. I love reggae. So it's all, it's gotta be its own playlist because otherwise it'd be messed up. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just like, I shuffle through those and I'll do a mad shuffle through all of them. And then I always press the suggested button because I always forget, you know, a B-52 song came up the other day. I'm like, oh my God, you know, and I just love it, you know? So yeah. And I just like write down stuff. And so next week, is going to be a new song about the last song of the semester. And I think I'm going to do a Tyler Childers. Have you heard him? No. He's incredible, a country artist. And I thought I'd never like Amer like contemporary country because, like, it's been sucking. I mean, no offense to everybody. like, but no, the past We can say it. We can, it's true. You know it's what I'm true. saying? Listen, it's, it's been terrible. It's like, I'm like, yeah, we get it. All right, you got a truck and you're sad. All right, yeah, move on. But, like, lately... There have been artists like him, Tyler Childers, The Wooks, uh, Still Drivers, uh, you know, uh, 
and Nathaniel Radcliffe, like these guys that have really, and, and women who have been really heartfelt, coming back in a little dark edge, Kaleo, you've heard of uh, him, incredible stuff. So I'm giving it a chance again, but if you need to, if you haven't checked out Tyler Childers, he's from West Virginia and he's just from the backwaters and you can tell that brother's been hurt. I tell you what, he's in my heart on fire. I'm like, oh Lord. And he has a great picking style and he's like blown up and like his tickets are now $600 at Red Rocks. I'm like, oh my Good God. Good for him. I mean, yeah, right? Damn, Seriously. But- no, I know. I'm like, well, I won't be seeing you anytime soon. <laughs> like, but, uh, but I'm proud of him. Like, you know, he's been, yeah, but he's one of Charlie's favorites. And so I think I'm going to do one of his because of the picking and strumming that he's doing on one song that I'm going to suggest to the students. So again, yeah, it's just like, just trying new things. And I just love exploring new things. I don't understand why people don't want to do new things. Like, what are you learning doing the same thing over and over again? This leads to sickness mental illness because if you think about it if your certain neuron pathways are only working nothing else is getting nothing else is getting worked same thing with muscles you know anything energy you've got to keep moving in different directions spiritually physically mentally right and i love that about myself but it also uh, every now and then hurts <laughs> physically i'm in a new workout routine and you know that's why I just said that. <laughs> what is one of your favorite reggae songs to play on the banjo? Because when I saw you, I had never seen anybody do that before. And I was completely gobsmacked and I thought it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, like, I mean, and, and I, even I, you, you played a Red Hot Chili Peppers song on the banjo and I was like, this woman is the love of my life. This is the coolest coolest person in the world where do you get that inspiration from and and what do you love to to tweak and explore in new patterns well i it's because practice is so boring (laughs) so uh, like you know i'm sitting down here or upstairs and i'm like i love reggae like if i could listen to anything in in general and enjoy like anytime i slap on anything it's like just any uh, like old school roots reggae i just love it and all old school like 90s hip-hop I'll just like slap that on I don't play it like I, I'll play reggae of course but I, I don't play it those are the two I just love to listen to if I'm not listening to anything else um and so I like to reggae tunes <laughs> like I did with Chili Peppers Under the Bridge and I'll do that with anything like and I started doing it with the band and their songs and they're like oh my god Sasha if you reggae one more thing I'm going to kill you. Yeah, it out. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'll, but I do it anyway. Um, <laughs> but then they were like, wow, okay, that was pretty good. And so we do that now in the band. But No Woman, No Cry, best song to play on the banjo. And uh, I love uh, Roots uh, and Bob Marley. And um, there's a couple of other couple of other ones that, I, that I'll do. Peter Tosh. Oh, I Am is a good one by Peter Tosh. I'll do that one as well but mostly i'll take any song and reggae it like any cover any of the songs a month i'll be like okay can i reggae this <laughs> i love that you're we're making reggae a, a verb that is just right it's, why hasn't that happened that's before? what i'm saying it's time <laughs> what has been one of your biggest struggles as an artist and one of your biggest triumphs as an artist Hmm. Uh, the biggest struggles as an artist has been uh, me battling myself, sabotaging myself. You know, I'll get to the point where you feel so good. Then you start to think you doubt that, right? Why do we do that? That's just insane. 
It's like kind of when you like say a word over and over and over again. And you're like, is this, this isn't a word. It happened to me with Zoom the other day. It was like, Zoom, that is, that doesn't make any sense. But you're absolutely right. It's like, it's the same with, with you listen to your own music. (laughs) It is a weird word. It is a word. Write it and write it out and then say it. It doesn't, whoever came up with that, it's like, why? (laughs) No, seriously. Like, it's the doubt. Like, it is. It's just me. I can't blame anybody else for that. It's like, I know my power. Um, and, uh, I need to recognize that more and it, because my power is healing to not only the studio, but everybody in my audience and, and, and fan base. And it is, I think you get to the point where you intimidate yourself, but instead of being intimidated, you know, just be your number one fan. But that, that is the challenge is always falling into that self-sabotage. And I take moments in the morning that, that are allowing me more to control that. I'm a big, big, uh, yeah, I was telling the CSU music therapy department, <clears throat> you you can do you don't you don't have to believe in anything, but you need to recognize vibration is a huge thing. And when people say meditation and prayer, what is happening is they are chanting or spelling. Just think of the word spell. Spelling. You are literally saying words out of your mouth that are going into the atmosphere and going into particulates that are set for manifestation. This is physics 101. You all can Google it for the ones who are like, I don't believe any of that. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It's actually true. Particulates are in the air that are waiting for formation. So for example, here's proof of that. You wake up, you trip on your alarm cord or whatever, your phone drops, you spill your coffee, and then there's a domino effect through the day. If you don't stop yourself, you know that all day long, your day is just going to be one hard egg after the other because you are continuing to believe that it's happening. That has happened to you, I don't know, I don't know how, so many times, right? Same with a great day. You're like, oh my God, this is great. Perfect timing. You're doing your thing and you're keeping believing it. You are manifesting in those moments, even though you think you may not because of your vibration, okay? If you just continue every morning to pause and declare in a command, this is a great day. I am going to have great things happen to me and everything will come to me in right timing. Your day is going to be great. Even if you feel really bad, any solution is going to happen that will make your day better. Okay. I bless my studio and my water every day. If you don't know about blessing water, water is the most uh, resonant and reflective uh, element on earth. Dr. Emoto, look him up, E-M-O-T-O, did water tests where if you bless water, the vibrations of the water actually molecularly change for the better. And and then if you also curse, it will uh, actually make it more acidic. So the point of his tests were your body is mostly water. So if you're thinking negative thoughts, you are causing your body to be an imbalance and acidic, uh, executing free radicals and histamines and allowing for disease. Think of the word, it's dis-ease, right? And so if you're continually doing that, your body gets in the habit of unthriving, right? Even though it's meant to thrive, you are constantly going to that. And that's where we get mental illnesses and we get these cancers and we get these diseases that those are reflections of a body not cared for. So it doesn't matter what you believe. What is accurate in existence is your vibration. If your vibration is off, you will attract off things, okay? So you have to set yourself to a higher vibration. And that's what I do every day. And that's what you have to do every day. You have to, like, that's the success 
of who I am. That's because I am self-certain in that. I'll have bad days, but I pause. I'm like, girl, you ain't acting right. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're about to teach a bunch of students. Chill right. out. You know what I'm saying? Sit yourself down. <laughs> okay. And collect yourself and check yourself. Okay. And your biggest triumph <laughs> thus far. Right. That is, is, is doing that, checking that. And really, like, I'm looking back every year. Like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm a black woman owned business in a very white town in Colorado. And I have been doing this up until recently by myself uh, and, you know, with others, you know, my family and everything supporting me, lifting me up. But on the daily, having to navigate that as well as being in the music scene here and also, ironically, dating, every, like the intimidation people have of power is ridiculous. Like when I, I'm self-certain and everything, uh, my success is that because I'm just, you know, I come from a spiritual base of believing in myself and lifting up others. Most people aren't, right? And so I've had uh, dates who were intimidated by me, not, and I, they broke it off, you know, because I owned a business. I'm like, they're like, well, I can't take care of you. I'm like, brother man, like, that's I'm the point. The one. Yeah, right? I was like, we, I, I'm cool. Like, you don't have to like, you know, like, we can take care of each other. We can be equals, right? I've had like women friends, like uh, not be my friends anymore because uh, they're, you know, uh, they're not strong enough because they've been taught to have someone take care of them, right? And I've lost a lot of friends. Well, they weren't friends, but, you know, people who are like that. But my success is just continue on. Now, everyone in my life is amazing. I have an incredible a man who lifts me up every day. And I lift myself up every day where this, you know, my studio has been, you know, awarded one of the top in Northern Colorado. And I just keep going no matter what happens. Like I just had to like empty out my savings for new stuff. You know what I'm saying? And people are like, oh my God, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to run a small business because that's what happens. You make money and then you spend money. (laughs) But they're like freaked out. Like I'm a lord. (laughs) I'm like, like, that's a small business, people. (laughs) How do you navigate self-promotion as an independent artist, a small business owner? Mm -hmm. What are things that you found that really work for you on a a business level? Well, that's an interesting question because that's actually switching as of now. More people have told me you need to get more out there on videos. I've been, I'll I'll splash something out more a little bit, but not enough. But they're like, you are a, a personality people need. And so I am about to release more videos on playing, solo, and instruction for the studio. But yeah, the feedback was that. They're like, you are a gym. We have you here, but people need to see you who aren't in Fort Collins, Colorado, right? So I'm going to be doing more videos. So stay tuned, everyone. You're going to see me. Get on the TikTok, the YouTube, the Instagram. Woo, woo. All of the (laughs) things. What has your experience with Sonic Guild been like? How did you get involved? And in what ways have you seen that help your career? Oh, man, it's just been nothing but positive. I just want to thank you all for that. Uh, I was reached out to someone uh, enjoyed my music and wanted me to play. And and even, you know, during the uh, gigging setting up process, my mother had passed in December and I was completely distracted, didn't p- put anything in in time. And I was still like, no, they're like, oh my gosh, you're, yeah, of course, your mom, oh my gosh. And it was a very kind, patient thing. Like, we got you, it's all good. And so uh, that happened. I We did the gig in Boulder and uh, amazing support. And the fact that we got paid that night, thank you. 
you was one of the things I appreciated most because I swear people, they don't get it. They're like, okay, we're going to like write you a check like eight weeks after you play. Like, why are you doing that to people? Not 90. I, I do not understand that. Like, like, well, I'm not my, working 90 days later. So. And I got bills due today. I got like, you know what I'm saying? Why would you do that in ever to anyone catering anything like everybody requires a deposit yet for musicians we have to wait like that doesn't make any sense so yeah it was so nice to sit there hey Sasha welcome thanks for coming here's your check have a great show I'm like well all right you know what I'm saying it's like and that made me feel better and have a great show right we had a great show I met some new artists I enjoyed them and it's been a very positive experience and I'm very very grateful for Sonic Guild so thank you hey I mean I'm I'm in the same way I get to go out there and just talk to amazing artists and it puts oh my me God. in places that I probably wouldn't normally ordinarily go because I'm yeah introverted artist is like oh I'll <laughs> just work on logic and just make my own songs instead of talking to people it's a little easier but no it it's it is it's been it's great to be a part of and and I'm oh, so awesome. glad that it's brought you on the show and and I got to see you play so if and anybody listening if you get a chance to go see Sasha Butler play it's an amazing experience she's a storyteller she's an artist you're gonna get to see things reggae it's just just a complete experience so definitely take the chance go out before we go any (laughs) advice to artists just starting out oh uh you know what it's a it's a brand new world and anything is possible we are in the great time where you post yourself even no matter what this is the best advice ever like where you are post a video if you're looking like buckwheat but you're feeling like, you know, you, you're going to sound incredible, post the video. It doesn't matter. Do you know how many fools are out there posting videos of themselves falling in a pool or whatever? You're going to be great. Okay? <laughs> like, you're going to be fine. Your sound will get out there. Post videos. Put yourself on uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever. And because of that, you're going to see how you grow. And your engaging fans who are, who've been there from the first time will be like, I remember, oh my God, the first time they sang the song and I still have it right you're building a beautiful diary for yourself and your future fans Sasha thank you so much for taking the time it's been lovely talking with you is there any shows coming up or anything that you want to promote before we go anything that the fan, the fans listening should know. Yeah, just stay tuned for Urban Monk Studios YouTube and Saja Butler YouTube. I'm going to promote those on Instagram. I'm on Instagram Afro Banjo and Urban Monk Studios on Facebook and Instagram, and we'll be doing. I uh, just uh, started TikTok, but there's nothing up yet, so just stay there. But yeah, we're doing a Earth Day show. If you want to go. We've got a whole lineup of shows this summer, LoisAndTheLantern.com and SajaButler.com. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. Check out the links in our show notes to experience Sasha Butler's music and to become a member of Sonic Guild Colorado.